Good morning, Tom. Welcome to your Daily Digest from the team here at ByteCast. So, in today's catch-up, we're going to kick off by diving into the perilous dynamics between Israel and Hamas. Ray Dalio believes these, these escalating conflicts don't just reflect our current era's volatility, but resonate with historical patterns that have led to world wars. We'll hear about Jeremiah Owang's take on a future where marketers may need to cater not just to humans, but to AI agents. Finally, Benedict Evans is wrestling with large language models, exploring their potential as a ubiquitous general-purpose interface versus the argument for specialized software. Okay, so first we're going to dive into a topic that has been making headlines all around the world recently. We're talking about the conflicts between Israel and Hamas, as well as Ukraine and Russia. Now, the, these conflicts are not only terrifying and heartbreaking in their own right, but they also serve as a stark reminder that no one is exempt from the horrors of war. It's a chilling thought that any one of us could find ourselves caught in the crossfire of such violence. Um, what's particularly concerning is that while Israel, Hamas, Ukraine, and Russia are engaged in these hot wars, the major world powers like the United States and China are teetering on the edge of a potential conflict themselves. It's a critical moment, folks. We're about to find out whether this Israel-Hamas war will spread and how far it will go. And in the long run, we'll see whether the major powers will be forces for peace or if they'll get involved and push us over the brink. Now, as we witness these horrific and tragic images unfolding, it's crucial that we hope for restraint. But unfortunately, the reality is that the civilian casualties we're witnessing now and may continue to witness as this war escalates could very well lead to new conflicts in different parts of the world. Violence against Jewish and Muslim populations in various countries is a real possibility. In Ray's opinion, this war has a high risk of sparking several other conflicts in different places with harmful effects that extend far beyond Israel and Gaza. And that's why I believe the odds of transitioning from contained conflicts to a full-blown world war have increased from about 35% to about 50% over the past two years. So let's take a step back and look at how these things usually unfold. History has shown us that conflicts between countries tend to follow a pattern. And based on this pattern, as well as a logical assessment of the current situation, it's clear that these two wars, the Israel-Hamas war and the Russia-Ukraine war, have crossed the line from contained pre-hot war conflicts to uncontained, brutal, hot wars that will only end when one side is clearly defeated. And unfortunately, these types of wars are more likely to spread than to subside. We must understand that these hot wars are not isolated incidents. They're part of a bigger picture, part of the ongoing great power conflicts that are shaping the new world order. And they will have significant consequences for countries that are allies and enemies of the uh, parties involved. For example, the United States is currently fighting proxy wars in Europe and the Middle East while preparing for the possibility of war in East Asia. And as these wars spread, the costs will only increase. Now, the one silver lining here is that we haven't yet reached the point of no return when it comes to a world war between the major powers, the US and China. Uh, we're still in a precarious position where the choice between crossing that line into a brutal war or stepping back is still possible. But let me tell you, wars never go as expected. 
they're always more brutal than anticipated, and even those who were initially in favor of them end up regretting their decision. That's why it's crucial for the leaders of these major powers to exercise restraint and step back from the brink. Yes, they must prepare themselves to fight if necessary, but they must also recognize the high costs and risks involved in getting fully drawn into these brutal wars. This is how local conflicts can escalate into world wars. Now, let's not forget the other big forces at play here. We have the economic force, the political conflicts within countries, the geopolitical conflicts between nations, the force of nature with climate change and pandemics, and the force of humanity's inventiveness, particularly in the realm of technology. All of these forces interact and shape the global balance of power. And understanding how countries align themselves in these conflicts is crucial to understanding what's likely to come. But let's be clear. Once we cross that line into hot wars, reason and compromise tend to go out the window. It becomes a matter of picking sides and fighting until one side is victorious. And it's increasingly likely that we'll all have to make that choice. This will also impact where people choose to live. Now, let's shift gears a bit and talk about what can be done to improve the situation. In a previous episode, I discussed the internal conflicts in the United States and suggested the importance of strong bipartisan leadership to bring about much-needed reforms. Similarly, in the international arena, the pipe dream, which may not be attainable, is for world leaders to recognize that hot wars are the worst possible outcome. Instead, they should work together to create a path and processes for minimizing the chances of a hot is war breaking out. But let's focus on a more attainable goal. The stretch goal would be for the US and China to come together and broker peace in Ukraine. While it may seem unlikely, conditions are ripe for this to happen. Imagine the impact if the opposing world powers join forces to deliver peace. It would not only reduce the risks of further escalation in the Russia-Ukraine conflict, but it would also set a powerful example of cooperation for peace. It could pave the way for resolving conflicts in other parts of the world as well. As Ray Dalio reminds us, we're at a critical juncture, and the choices made by leaders and the restraint shown by all parties involved will shape the course of our future. The tensions between Israel and Hamas echo patterns that have historically sparked world wars. Yet the future also beckons with new challenges. Jeremiah Owang envisions a world where marketers appeal not just to us, but to AI agents. Let's explore that next. So let's start with a big name, Bill Gates. According to industry analyst Jeremiah Ouyang, Gates's vision of a personal AI is actually coming true. And this future is going to have a huge impact on marketers and creators. They'll need to move beyond optimizing traditional search engines and start optimizing AI. It's time to plan for disruption and develop new strategies. Now, here's the thing. The advertising model as we know it is going to break. Getting people to go to your website and view it won't sustain anymore. Instead, AI agents and foundational models will capture the ad dollars. Advertisers will pay to get their messages included in generated responses. We might even see sponsored sentences in an AI emerge or ads next to generated content. This means that marketers and creators need to think about how to be discovered beyond the search engine within the AI itself. It's a whole new ballgame. 
Now, let's talk about chatbots. As more and more consumers rely on automated tools to get information, web crawling may not be efficient enough anymore. Ouyang predicts that consumers will stay within GPT tools to access real-time info from the web. But here's the challenge. The data schemas are too varied. So how will chatbots get their data? Well, here's something counterintuitive. You actually want no-need large language models, LLMs, to train on your data. If you're a journalist, you'd want your articles ingested by all the LLMs. That way, when people search for that information, you show up first. It's like an SEO strategy for AI. Marketers have been disrupted time and time again over the past couple of decades. They've had to work on influencing the influencers to boost SEO. But now, AI is another influencer they have to cater to. And that means feeding them information. So companies may even reduce the central nature of their websites and offer an API instead. It's all about building an autonomous agent to influence another autonomous agent. Now, let's bring Bill Gates back into the picture. In an interview, Gates said that the first company to develop a personal agent to disrupt SEO would have a leg up on competitors. That's why Gates, along with other big names, invested in Inflection AI. They launched Pi, a personal intelligence chatbot that takes a more personal and emotional approach. EQ matters just as much as IQ. So how does AI engine optimization differ from SEO? Well, it's not about waiting for a crawler to come to your website. It's about creating an API that feeds real-time information to foundational models. And eventually, users will ask AI questions before they ask Google search. That's why you need that real-time feed. Marketers will also want to train their own branded AI using their corporate API. This AI will interact with consumers and buyers, whether on a website or an app. It's all about embracing the possibilities and exploring the potential of AI. Many companies are already moving quickly to build their own LLMs. The future could see brands like Walmart or Macy's having their own LLMs. It's an exciting time for AI and marketing. So, as we stand on the brink of this seismic shift, the call to action for marketers is clear. We must ready ourselves to not only influence human decision-making, but also shape AI behaviors. From Jeremiah Owang's world, where even AIs might become our target audience, we pivot. Up next, Benedict Evans grapples with the might of large language models. Are they the future interface for everything, or is there power in specialization? Let's unpack, or as Ben puts it, unbundle this. About a year ago, ChatGPT 3.5 made its debut, and since then, we've been trying to figure out just what it can do. There have been discussions about AGI, artificial general intelligence, semiconductor capabilities, model size, and running costs. But what really interests me is its practical use. Uh, how can we utilize a technology that claims to be capable of anything? To understand the potential of ChatGPT and LLMs, let's take a trip back to the late 1970s when Bill Gates saw the first graphical user interfaces, GUIs, at Xerox Park. He immediately recognized the game-changing nature of GUIs. They allowed people to use computers without needing to learn complex keyboard commands. Instead, you could simply click on what you needed. However, there was still a limitation. Each tool or function had to be created by someone else. Buttons had to be made. LLMs, on the other hand, offer a whole new level of generalization. With LLMs, 
one piece of software could potentially become any tool you need. This is where LLMs come in. They solve this problem by offering the potential to not only ask anything, but also receive an answer to anything. LLMs, like all machine learning systems, turn a logic problem into a statistics problem. Instead of humans manually writing patterns for every possible question, LLMs are trained on vast amounts of text and data to recognize patterns on their own. This scalability allows LLMs to answer questions about anything in their training data. But it doesn't stop there. LLMs can function as reasoning engines. You can ask them to read web pages or analyze data to find answers. For example, you can pose a query about a live news story that may not be in the training data and you know the LLM like ChatGPT can analyze news websites and provide an answer. It's truly remarkable. However, with this power comes two new challenges, a science problem and a product problem. Firstly, LLMs being probabilistic models don't provide a definitive right answer. They offer probable answers based on statistical patterns. So while an LLM like ChatGPT can give you information about someone's biography, it might not provide the exact answer you're looking for. It's important to remember that LLMs are not databases. Secondly, there's a product problem related to presenting and packaging uncertainty. LLMs can generate text that appears to be certain, which can be misleading. For instance, when using LLMs for web search, Google presents a list of search results, acknowledging the possibility of different answers. But with a chatbot, you receive a response with apparent certainty, which can be misleading without proper context. Presenting uncertainty in a user-friendly manner becomes a crucial design challenge. Now, let's discuss the broader product questions surrounding LLMs. Well, while LLMs can answer anything, the challenge lies in knowing what to ask. It's like having an infinite grid in Excel or an open canvas in an art studio. The possibilities are endless, but it can be overwhelming. LLMs require us to rethink how we interact with technology and consider if asking questions and receiving answers is the most effective interface. Another aspect to consider is the iterative process. With tools like Excel, Photoshop, or PowerPoint, you can see your work evolve as you edit and refine it. But with LLMs, it's more like a question and answer game. You input a prompt, wait for a response, and iterate accordingly. It can feel like playing Battleship, plugging in prompts and waiting to see if you hit the right target. Some argue that we need more tooling to manage our interaction with LLMs, but that might lead us back to the command line interfaces that GUIs replaced. It's a challenge to strike a balance between simplicity and functionality. One solution could be unbundling specific tasks from LLMs into dedicated tools. Just as there were hundreds of specialized software programs built on top of early PCs, we might see a wave of single-purpose UIs leveraging LLMs. These UIs would focus on specific use cases and provide more tailored control and suggestions. They would cater to the unique needs of users, much like specialized software products do today. The future of LLMs remains uncertain. Will we have numerous smaller open source models or a few expensive, highly versatile models that dominate the market? Only time will tell. But one thing is clear, 
the general purpose capabilities of LLMs will likely be abstracted into more specialized UIs, even if those UIs are relatively thin. That being said, there's a crucial lesson to learn from the failure of pen computing. Just because we can use pens or talk to computers doesn't mean it's always the best interface. LLMs, like ChatGPT, have incredible potential, but we need to question whether a question and answer model is the most efficient and effective approach for every task. The key lies in finding the right balance between technology and human interaction. As we wrap up today's episode, remember that LLMs offer immense possibilities. They can be our infinite interns, helping us with tasks like writing code, generating marketing ideas, and creating draft text. But they are not a replacement for human judgment and critical thinking. We must remain aware of their limitations and use them as tools to support and augment our own capabilities. And there we have it, Tom. Another insightful episode of ByteCast comes to a close. From the global tensions echoing historical patterns to the imaginative future where AI isn't just a tool, but also an audience, and finally, the dynamic landscape of large language models and their potential. We hope today's digest has given you food for thought and broadened your perspective. Remember, as technology evolves, so should our understanding and wisdom. Until next time, stay curious, keep questioning, and thank you for tuning in to ByteCast. Signing off, stay informed and inspired.